Hello everyone, and welcome to Autocrat, and this is episode 18, Asterius the Minotaur. This is a story that started off as one episode, because I thought I could just simply cover Theseus in one episode and that would be the end of it, but during the course of my research it has rather ballooned into two or three episodes. So this time around we will be dealing with the story of the Minotaur and how it came to be, and if everything goes according to plan, next time it will be Theseus, and then the time after that we'll be wrapping up loose ends with the story and following Daedalus, the inventor of the labyrinth, a little bit more. How does that sound? Sounds perfect. Well, shall I start us off? You should. This story is very focused on the island of Crete. Do you know where that is? Yes, I know where it is in Southern Greece. Excellent. Well, it is very connected to Minos of Crete, who is a name that will probably be familiar to most people. But in order to tell the story of Minos and the Minotaur, we have to kind of explain how we ended up in this situation in the first place. So, let's go back to Zeus and Europa, who we mentioned briefly, I believe, during our episode on what the various planets and moons in the solar system were called. I'll say here that Europa is the great-great-granddaughter of Zeus and Io, who we've also mentioned via her son Epaphus, who I believe we previously mentioned as king of Egypt, and Hera was unhappy about this and tried to bring the Titans back into power. She's also the brother of Cadmus, who we mentioned in connection with the plot to get rid of Typhon, and through him is the aunt of Semele and the grand-aunt of Dionysus. Finally, her first cousin, three times removed, is Acrisius, the grandfather of Perseus we talked about in episode 17. Nice. So you can see she's connected to virtually everyone on the tree we've previously discussed. She is. So do you want to start us off with the story of Europa? Yeah. Zeus took Europa to the island of Crete and had three children with her. Because of course he did. This it's Zeus and it's a woman, so he had children with her. It's a reflex action at this point to have illegitimate children who either go on to do great things or found great dynasties. Those children were named Sarpedon, Radamentus, and Minos. Okay, so they really had run out of baby name ideas in Crete in the early days. Very much so. Europa later married a man called Asterius. Okay. This Asterius was the son of someone called Tectamus. Tectamus, right. So Asterius, son of Tectamus. Got it. Yeah. Tectamus was the son of Dorus, one of the children of Helen we discussed in episode 15, and the first king of Crete after making his way there. Okay, wow, so it really is all connected. Asterius is a descendant of Helen and of Deucalion, in exactly. fact. Exactly. Wow. Asterius didn't have any children of his own, so he adopted the sons of Europa with Zeus. Makes sense. We'll see this a lot in Roman history, adopting people when you don't have any children of your own. And also, Zeus has so many children, I'm not sure he can actually keep count uh, of all of them. Yeah. Zeus, I've got a few spare children. Exactly. Yeah. Minos became king and Radamantus gave Crete its laws. Right. The text says that Asterius allowed the children to succeed, so perhaps Radamantus became king after Asterius. Okay, so what I'm getting from you here is the text we get this from is a little bit ambiguous in terms of who follows who exactly. It is. Okay, so we end up with Minos is the long and the short of it. Exactly. So, carrying on from here, Minos had a son called Lycastus who became king after him. And Lycastus, in turn, was the father of a son called Minos, named after his grandfather, which I believe is something we'll see coming back a lot in Greek culture over the centuries. And this Minos became Minos II of Crete. Now, this is the famous Minos now. Minos married Pasiphae, the daughter of Helios, who I believe we last mentioned in episode 12, explaining to a furious Demeter or an anxious Demeter why Persephone had gone missing. 
The children of Pasiphae and Minos were Deucalion, Androgeus, Castraeus, and Ariadne. Keep your eyes focused on Ariadne, by the way. She's going to come up more next episode. Nice. Now, Androgeus travelled to Athens and became friends with Pallas' sons. This might all sound fine, but the king of the region, Aegeus, who is, by the way, the namesake of the Aegean Sea, was worried because the children of Pallas and Androgeus might conspire to take his throne off him. So, while he was travelling to Thebes, Androgeus was killed on the orders of Aegeus. Okay. Now, Minos II was understandably very unhappy about this. I bet he was. In response, he declared war on Athens and prayed to Zeus for famine and drought to befall the city. However, there is an alternative interpretation or version where Pausanias says that Androgeus was killed by a bull sent to Crete by Poseidon because he didn't have special treatment among Minos's veneration of the gods. Now, we'll see a bull crop up again in the story of how the Minotaur forms a bit further down the line this episode, so maybe it's the same one, who knows. We're recycling bulls this episode. <laughs> this creature would be the subject of one of Heracles' tasks, so again, it'll come up in a few episodes' time. The Athenians tried to tell Minos in this tradition that they didn't kill his son. However, he didn't believe them, and he declared war, and the rest you know. But the long and the short of it is, we now have Minos declaring war on Athens. So I'm guessing there's going to be some misery. There is a lot of it. All of Attica and Greece, in fact, was plunged into misery, and Aeacus, son of Zeus and a woman called Aegina, prayed on behalf of several local communities, and eventually the disaster only continued in Athens. So we've got a local person intervening with the gods on behalf of the local people and shrinking the disaster zone to just the area that actually caused the problem. Yeah. Incidentally, I believe Aeacus is also noteworthy because he is the ancestor of Achilles. So we really have got a lot of name dropping today. Now, the gods told Athens they needed to obey Minos' directives, avenging his son in order to stop all of this. So if you want the problem to go away, you have to listen to what Minos wants you to do. Minos asked that, every nine years, seven men and seven women should be given to him to feed something called the Minotaur. However, the listeners might now be wondering, well, we've now mentioned the Minotaur, and we haven't explained how he got to be there yet. So do you want to tell us a little bit more about that? Yes. Who is the Minotaur? That story involves a brilliant engineer called Daedalus. Okay. Daedalus had had to flee his homeland after he killed his young maternal nephew, Talos, who was more talented than he at craftsmanship. Right, so we've got professional jealousy resulting in murder. Yeah. He arrived on Crete and struck up a friendship with the admiring Minos. Okay. One day, Pasiphae, the queen of Crete, came to him with a strange request. Now, Minos used to sacrifice the prettiest bull in his hut to Poseidon every year. Right. However, he saved one of them one year and sacrificed a less impressive animal. Okay, now I'm imagining Poseidon is not impressed with this because that's not a move you should be doing, Minos. He's not, so what do you think happens? I shudder to think the gods have been very good at getting revenge so far. Yeah. I'm guessing it involves this bull in some way. It does. <laughs> do tell more. He made Pasiphae fall in love with the bull. Okay, that's, that's not good. Yep. Do you want to tell us the rest? Yes. So, she approached Daedalus with a request, and I'm sure you can imagine what this request was. Uh, Daedalus acted as the world's most horrifying wingman and helped her, making a construction shaped like a cow. He therefore helped pacify, gratify her lusts, shall we say. Now, this might all be horrifying enough, don't you think? 
Yeah. But it gets worse. Pacify it fell does. pregnant. A child was born which had the head of a bull and the body of a human, and this is the Minotaur. The Minotaur, defeated by Theseus, is called Asterion by Pausanias, and in his version of events is explicitly mentioned as the son of Minos, but given that it has a bull's head, you would think Minos can't be the father. Apollodorus explicitly gives Minotaur the name Asterius in book 3 of his library. Now, there's a biological aspect of this that I wanted to dwell on a little bit, because have you heard before that mules are infertile? Yes. Well, from what I remember from my teaching, this is because their parents, horses and donkeys, have different numbers of chromosomes. So there's 62 in one of them, 64 in the other, meaning that mules have 63. Now, when they want to make gametes, these chromosomes can't pair up nicely, meaning the process of making gametes is interrupted yeah. somewhat. Well, humans have 23 pairs of chromosomes, cattle have 60 chromosomes. So this shouldn't be possible. No. Just to reassure anyone worried that a minotaur is going to surface in our modern day, rest assured, biology tells you it can't happen. Or at least that that thing won't be fertile, I suppose. Yeah. So there won't be a second generation of minotaurs, I should Unless clarify. Make another one. Yes, I suppose so. I mean, this is... Anyway. <laughs> now, Minos had Daedalus build a labyrinth to contain the monster. And Apollodorus says that this idea of a labyrinth came from an oracle. But there is another interpretation of the story of the Minotaur and the labyrinth. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about it? Yes, this is where we diverge a bit to talk about Mino and Crete. Right. This is because it sheds light on where the idea of the Minotaur might have come from. Okay. Mino and Crete existed from 3000 to 1100 BCE. Okay. Its apex was in 1600 BCE or thereabouts. There was a great palace at Knossos. Bull games took place in the central court. Bull jumping was part of these games. Okay, so we've already got the idea that bulls are important to the people of Crete in antiquity. Yeah. The bull was brought into the central hall through the corridors. Runes of the great palace stuck in the minds of Greek and Minoans. Okay. As the Minoans' tradition faded, the story of the labyrinth and Minotaur emerged to explain them. Okay. The ruins of the palace might have evoked the idea of the Minotaur in people who had had memories of Minoan and Crete embellished by generations. Minoan seals did have images of people wearing the heads of bulls, and this might have been a mask worn because of rituals. Okay, it strikes me the bull travelling through long narrow passages to get to a central courtyard is somewhat reminiscent of a labyrinth, which is interesting. Exactly. Now, get us back to the story. Yes. So, Daedalus was threatened by Minos because, well, he'd helped Pacify have the Minotaur. I'm sure you can see how Minos wouldn't be in love with this new arrangement. Yeah. Daedalus fled on a boat with his very famously named son, Icarus. Yep. However, Icarus became cocky and eventually fell into the sea. And this is because he basically fell off the gangplank when leaving the boat in a dangerous manner to get to an island. So okay. maybe he was just dancing on the gangplank and lost his balance. I'm not sure I, we don't not. know. Another account says that Pacify hid Daedalus, and Minos searched the boats to prevent him escaping, promising a big reward, so boats aren't an option in this version. Daedalus created wings fastened with wax to help him and his son Icarus flee. However, while they were fleeing, Icarus flew too high, and the wax melted, plunging him into the sea. Daedalus eventually made his way to Sicily by making the wings wet several times. It strikes me that in our story with Perseus, we said that wet wings don't work, and that's why Perseus eventually landed, because the winged sandals yeah. weren't functioning. 
But in this story, the wax wings need to be made wet periodically, and you can't fly too high up, or else the wax will melt. Okay. But this is where the idiom, flying too close to the sun, comes from. Icarus okay. flew into the sky too close to the sun, according to Greek tradition, and got burnt. So it was his undoing. Yep. However, we're not going to finish the story of Daedalus yet, so we're going to leave him on Sicily for now, because we've got someone else to introduce. Next time, we're going to talk all about Theseus and how he managed to defeat the Minotaur. How very nice. I think we could end this discussion with a bit of chronology. Yeah, very true. The Parian still says Theseus created Athens as a state in about 995 or 1260 BCE. Okay, so this is 995 in the counting down chronology and 1260 BCE according to how we would see it. Exactly. Okay. Minos became king around or in 1168 in that down chronology. Yeah. Oh, 1,433 BCE. Okay, that seems a very large time gap. I think, isn't there about 170 years between those two dates? There is. Now, given that Minos and Theseus are meant to be contemporaries, maybe 1,260 BCE is the date for when Minos II lived, and the other one for when Minos I okay. did. That would make more sense, unless Minos is somehow over 200 years old. I mean, isn't he a god? He's not a god. Is he a semi-god? According to the version of events where he is the great-grandson of Zeus, I suppose he would be something like a hemi-demi-semi-god. Or maybe he's got a longer lifespan than just because of that. Maybe. I think there's two traditions, one where there is no Minos I, and Minos is just the son of Zeus, and the other one, written by people like Diodorus Siculus, is that there's two Minoses. But I suppose for our chronology, given that we haven't had any explicit statement that Minos is longer lived, maybe you're right, Minos the first lived then, and Minos the second's dates are about 170 years later. Exactly. Okay. Well, I think that brings us to the end of today's episode, so thank you all very much for listening. Thank you for listening. You can see us on TikTok and on YouTube and Spotify, and recently as well as somehow on Deezer and maybe Apple Podcasts from where I've remembered. Yeah, so many different platforms we've managed to get our way onto. And don't forget to take a look at our cat. And by the way, should we reveal the name of that cat? Yes, we've been teasing people on the YouTube community tab for a while now with what the name of one of our cats is, or one of the autocats is, because it's named after a Roman emperor. And that name is, in fact, drumroll please... Augustus! Augustus, yes. We didn't name him Caligula. No, we didn't. Even though the other one, the one who has the little uh, white paws, could have been named Caligula, but he's the one that's called Felix that we yes. mentioned in the episode. Yes, he's the star of episode 17. Exactly. Okay, so other than saying feel free to check out our website, autocratpodcast.wordpress.com, I think that's all we've got this week, right? Yeah, have a great week, everyone. Have a great week. Well, it strikes me in the story of Minos as you want I mean, turtle lives long. <laughs> you saying Minos might be a turtle. Turtle lives long. There's you some can't... turtle that have been alive for longer than we've been. Yeah, you can't prove that he isn't. Yeah. <laughs>
Okay, well, that's the new theory. That's the new canon, Minos is a turtle. Exactly. That's a good note to end on. It is.